That's a, your imitation of the Skype ring is questionable at best. Boom, 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 boom. It, it's, it sounds more like you're doing like a, a, a drunken version of the A-Team theme song. Were you actually trying to do the A-Team there? Because that didn't sound like it either. You are fucking critical today. <laughs> Hello, pod people. This is just a reminder that Big Bad Nonsense can be found on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Send us an email, bigbadnonsense at gmail.com, or find us on Twitter, at bigbadnonsense. If you like the show, share it with a friend. Hello, pod people, and welcome back to another episode of Big Bad Nonsense. I am Sock, and here I am joined by a man who has watched the most recent Star Wars trailer over 500 times, Biscuit. Hey, y'all! It's me, Geek C. Spud Humper Third, and my daddy said that a potato's like a pussy you can keep in your pocket. I have a joke for you. Let's hear it. So, a man walks into a bar. And it's a Monday afternoon. It's about as busy as a one-legged frog on a lily pad. Sure, that works. It's so there's a bartender there, and he's got a monkey. And so the man drinks for a few hours, and he says, "I gotta know what's up with that monkey." And the bartender says, "I'll show you." And he hits that monkey in the head, and that monkey starts performing fellatio. And he says, that's amazing. And the bartender says, you want to try? And he says, I guess, but don't hit me so hard. <laughs> I think I've heard a similar joke, but with a crocodile or an alligator. An alligator? Well, now that's just foolish. <laughs> Are we going to have to endure this 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 crazy what is it spud fucker accent the entire episode it is spud humper sir oh spud now, humper i gotta go i i, I gotta go i'm sorry oh <laughs> wow that, that was that was great for him to stop by the studio yeah yeah uh, how was how was the joke today uh dirty okay so it was great <laughs> what's up you fuckers <laughs> Oh, Biscuit, it's good to be back in the recording seat again. How do you feel? I am loving life right now. There we go. Uh, So, everybody, grab a drink of your choice or snack or whatever it is you want to do. Put your headphones on and let's get on with the show. Yeah! So... Biscuit. What? Can we open up the mailbag? That is dependent on your ability. Uh, my ability is fine, so I'm going to open it up. Boy, that was a good sell. <laughs> it's, you make it sound like I'm supposed to turn it. It's, it's, it's the mailbag. I mean, people send us email. Don't fuck it up. All right. If it was one of our listeners, they'd probably fuck it up. <laughs> It's interesting you say that because the first email I want to go to today, uh, by the way, listeners, bigbadnonsense at gmail.com if you want to send us a line. Uh, maybe we'll read your email on the air unless you write a bunch of MAGA stuff or something like that. Anyway, uh, the, the first email we have is, is just a guy. His name is Ralph and he uh, from Parts Unknown. And all he did was send me a digital copy of Mein Kampf. <laughs> Okay, I like him. He can stay. <laughs> but <laughs> obviously in reference to your your statement last time that if, if people didn't promote the show that you would read uh, Mein Kampf on, on the show, which you're not going to do, obviously. But Oh, yeah, I, I would never. <laughs> it, it, it's in German, too. Like, it's not translated, so... Well, yeah, that's the way you gotta do it. I mean, I know most of my copies are in German. The ones in the bathroom, especially. Now, I I know that Biscuit is joking, or at least I hope he is, but I have to ask you, Ralph, it's like, why do you 
automatically, e either you knew where to find a digital copy of Mein Kampf, or you did a Google search for it. And I'm not sure which is worse, to actively search for it or to have it on hand. I'm, I'm sure doing that Google search puts you on a couple of watch lists, so good job, buddy. <laughs> okay, the next email we have is from Lindsay. And she is from, where is she from? She, she sounds hot. <laughs> she is from New York. Uh, Never mind. <laughs> okay. She's from New York, and she says, now I know you're going to love this one, Biscuit. She says that you guys should do a profile on an internet personality such as Chris Chan or Onision. Never heard of him. <laughs> uh, we... <laughs> Me and Sock here could do a very, 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 very long episode on Chris Chan. Uh, we're not going to... What about Onision? Have you heard of Onision before? Um, he's that shithead on Twitter, right? Uh, I, I, I don't... Well, he's an active YouTuber, mostly, is what I know him from. I, I know he... I remember the name um he he did something super shitty on twitter a couple years ago i think it was like really racist or really sexist or both oh or he's something. done a lot of that i don't know about the racist stuff but sexist for yeah. sure onision is not actively follow him though so go ahead okay onision is like a youtuber who's just known for saying very pro provocative things in order to get attention is, is the best way I could describe him. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Banana Song. It's probably the thing on YouTube that he's most famous for. Uh, no. I probably haven't. It's just not ringing the bell. Mm -hmm. but... Okay, it, it, it's not important. Uh, the, the Bananas point... in pajamas are coming down the stairs. <laughs> not that Banana Song, actually. Or that Banana Phone Song by Raffi or whatever it is. Oh, God, Raffi. There's a reference. <laughs> no, uh, the, the problem, Lindsay, with doing online personalities is that once you sort of talk about them past to date, it all becomes irrelevant within the next week or so because they're always doing things online that just sort of dwarf whatever happens. And Onision is no exception. I mean, if you go on YouTube, there are video, you can find videos about Onision done by other people that are just talking about recent things he's done, and they could give you more information and more insights, I suppose, th than we ever could in an episode that's sort of frozen in time. Uh, and when it comes to Chris Chan, I mean, she uh, is just... Well, she's autistic. Oh, is it? Is it she now? Officially, we've moved over? I stopped paying attention a while back. I believe she has changed her gender to female, as far as I know. See, this is the thing, right? There's so many different bits and pieces that, like, I, I, we, we could not keep up. And, and there's so many more people who have documented all these things. I mean, maybe Biscuit and I could talk about it forever, but we, we, we wouldn't even be able to cover a quarter of the stuff that's happened. Now, Chris Chan would have to be, like, a five-part series for and, us to even give a basic understanding. And, and there's no way I would want to subject our listeners to a five-part series on an autistic woman on the internet. Well, that's just prejudice of you. But um, <laughs> well, that's the yeah, thing, right? It's... Like this this person is is autistic. They they do bizarre things. I mean, we could sit there and say, oh, lo, oh look at the bizarre thing they've done. But the, this is not a person who has the the full capacity of a neurotypical person. I mean, I just. Uh, it, it would be strange. Yeah, well, all right, that's enough on that one. <laughs> Thank, thanks, Lindsay. Thank you, Lindsay, for writing in. We do appreciate suggestions. Uh, even if we're not totally open to them, it, you can send them to us. And definitely, I mean, there are internet personalities out there that have sort of gone by the wayside that we could definitely talk about in the future. I mean, there's people who have risen and then disappeared from the internet that it would make perfect sense for us to talk about on the show. Really, the big point here is anything we want to cover, we want it to be done. Yeah. Like, we don't want to do it, and then when they're still actively out there, whatever. Um, which is why we go with, you know, guys blowing up a boat full of people and shit like that from way back. Oh, yeah, of course. And, and I mean, someone like Chris Chan, uh, she's got an entire wiki 
devoted to every little thing that she does. And if you want to talk about autistic, you should see the people running that thing. Am I right? <laughs> okay, let's not get into that because I'm even the mere mention of the name, it's it's like, uh, you know, almost like summoning the devil. It's like everything sort of, all kinds of bizarre attention sort of comes your way. So maybe let's skip out on that one. Okay. <laughs> and uh, last but not least, we have two people who wrote the word boat. I love you guys. And it's I'm still glad coming. that you've learned how to spell it. <laughs> it's B, little B. <laughs> okay. I was starting to do a Dr. Seuss thing, then I was like, oh, I don't remember the song. <laughs> uh, it, it's amazing how much staying power that has had out of all the bizarre stuff that we've done. Yeah, it really is the one that stuck and brings me a little bit of joy. So keep sending that boat. <laughs> oh! <laughs> uh, if only because Biscuit doesn't have to read the email and I take care of it all. Yeah, and piss him off. I'll give a fuck. Okay. Just a reminder, people, bigbadnonsense at gmail.com. Please do send him a, a message. You can also reach us on Twitter at bigbadnonsense. Please send us some tweets. I'm thinking that, you know, maybe summer has sort of toned down our interaction a little bit because even out of this large space of time that we've had between episodes, we haven't got a lot of correspondence. Oh, well, now I'm just sad. No. Maybe it'll pick up. It's not September. like these people have jobs that they're going back to so what the fuck's going on <laughs> with that insulting comment from biscuit i'm going to close up the mailbag and let's move on with the show idiots so biscuit what i know that you're a baseball fan i am among many other sports. We did talk about sports last episode, but I thought we could also have a sports theme for this one as well. And I hope no one minds. And I don't give a shit if they do. So yeah, let's do it. All right, let's do it. Are you a fan of which baseball team, Biscuit? The Boston Red Sox. Uh, before we get into this, I want to say something else sports related. Okay. I downloaded on my Xbox a cricket game the other night. So I was like, I am going to learn this fucking thing because <laughs> I believe that nobody actually knows how to play and people just pretend that they know what's going on to fuck with Americans. And I played that thing for about an hour and I understand that shit less now than I did before. Do you think if someone ever asked you how to, how is cricket played, you could give them like a basic explanation? No fucking idea. There's a guy called a hurler, he throws a ball and then shit happens. Mm -hmm. I wonder if I could describe how cricket is played. And I've seen a live match. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all a big conspiracy. It's like 9-11. Well, I mean, the, it's not that difficult, right? Like, there's the, the, the guy bowls the ball, and he's trying to hit the wicket, which is behind the batter. Uh-huh. It's those, like, little yeah. sticks. Yeah, and there's a guy with, like, a waffle iron that smacks the ball. He can hit it anywhere, and... Then he runs back and forth and... Yeah, he runs back and forth uh, between the wickets and scores runs, basically. There were, there was four kinds of throws that you could do in this game as the pitcher, and one was called a Yorker. And I was like, shut the fuck up. That's not a real thing. <laughs> and could you describe the number of different pitches in baseball? Uh, there's a lot more. Uh-huh. <laughs> You, a lot you more see, than four. You got your fastball, you got your changeup, you got your knuckleball, you got your spitball. That one's illegal, can't do that. You got your screwball, not too many people throw that one no more. You got your curve, you got your slider, you got your slurve, which is kind of a curve and is kind of a slider. I can't remember everything I've said so far, so I'm going to stop. There we go. Let's be honest here, though. A lot of sports, if you don't have a cursory interest in it, it is hard to understand. Yeah, absolutely. There, there needs to be some investment into figuring it out. Yeah. Like, for example, American football. I, I'm just not really interested. Like, I can't really get into all the little details. I have a basic understanding of how it's played. You and I have both been in fantasy football leagues together. I know enough that I can play those leagues. I I think I actually won one year. Yeah, yeah, you did. That was uh, 
uh, depressing. But yeah, <laughs> you, you sure did. <laughs> Sorry for bringing that up, but you you know I just I I, I can't give a full description of how it's played. And the same thing goes for something like cricket or curling, for example. I like curling, but most people look at it and they're like, what the hell is going on? I like curling too. There's a lot more strategy there than you think. Once you devote some time to learning the sport, you see all the little nuances to it. And I'm sure if you put a lot more effort into cricket, you could probably do the same. I'm pretty sure that one's impossible. Um, The way I learned cricket was a couple Olympics ago. The U.S. women's team had this pair of sisters on it that were super fucking hot, and so that was why I watched it. And while doing that, I learned the game. And I was like, oh, this is cool, too. The U.S. has a cricket team? uh, um, Did I say cricket? I meant curling. That's how I learned curling. Uh Uh-huh, okay. Yeah, a couple Olympics ago, there was uh, Cassie and Jamie Johnson, I think. Yeah, and they were fucking dope as hell. So I was like, I'm going to watch this shit. (laughs) And... And then I was like, this sport's pretty cool. And that's a very boring story for you. It is, right? Uh, Anyway, back Back to baseball. As one does, yep. What's your opinion of the the White Sox? Eh, Like, they're... (laughs) They're in some middling ground that they're not really important enough for me to hate them. Would you say that over the course of history, they've generally been known as a team that doesn't have a lot of success? Uh, They are that. They also had the Black Sox scandal a very, very long time ago. So yeah, they've, They've had some struggles. Anyone who's seen the movie Field of Dreams will probably be aware of what that whole f- thing is. Say it ain't so, Shoeless Joe! <laughs> anyway, I, I, w- I was just curious about that because I, I don't follow baseball. I like baseball. I just don't follow it as much. So if you ask me about like a team over their team's history, if they're known as like winners or losers, I couldn't tell you. I think Chicago Cubs are probably the, the most famous one for the longest time, it's like they just had nothing going for them. Yeah, they finally won a couple of years ago, but they had, uh, shit, I want to say it was like 97 years or something like that, that they did not. Mm-hmm. And and not only did they not win it, they found just amazing ways to blow it. It wasn't mm-hmm. like they just lost. Like, um, you know, uh, Bartman, right, the fan like a decade or so ago in one of the playoff games, he reached over the wall and grabbed the ball away from one of the Cubs. Mm-hmm. And then they fucking lost. Yeah. They, they got stuff like that going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, the reason I bring up the Chicago White Sox is uh, because, I don't know, Biscuit, if you remember our first episode. I try to forget it. Okay. <laughs> it's not that bad. Uh, but we discussed Ten Cent Beer Night. Yes, we did. Mm-hmm. Now, and that's when we realized Biscuit's not good at telling stories. <laughs> I think it took... No, you're great at telling stories. Uh-huh, just like that last one about curling, right? That was a great story. Oh, fuck you. You can't take it back. <laughs> anyway, we discussed the Ten Cent Beer Night. Listeners, if you don't know what we're talking about, you're going to have to go back and listen to our first episode. But this whole promotion uh, ended in a riot, basically, because so many people were drunk. Yeah, just about everybody was, and uh, lots of bad armies were involved. It was a good time. And then they did it again. Mm -hmm. Now, Biscuit, they recently celebrated an anniversary of a fiasco at a White Sox game where... There was also kind of a riot. Do you know the event I'm talking about? I, off the top of my head, I do not. Okay, if I mention Disco Demolition Night. Uh, yeah, I've definitely heard it before. It was, uh, discos were demolished. <laughs> not quite exactly that, really. No, I, I've definitely heard of it. I just can't pull anything. That's what you're for. Okay, so let's go into the history of this. The White Sox, back in the 1970s, were not doing so well, and attendance at the games was abysmal, I guess we could say. Attendance, for our listeners, means 
people that go there. Yes. At the time, I've, I've actually already forgotten the name of the stadium. Oh, Comiskey Park. That That's not the park where uh, the White Sox play now, though, is it? I don't think so, no. No, now they play somewhere else. The, the, the main point is, is that back in the 70s... <laughs> The 70s and 80s, and I think right up to 1990, Comiskey Park was the home of the White Sox. It had a capacity of about 50,000 people, and the games would usually only pull in about maybe 10, 12, 15,000 people. Is that bad? It's, uh, well, you tell us, because you're the baseball fan. I would say that's abysmal. It's bad! Oh, it's very bad. Like, I take other teams that don't do super well in the league and I'm sure you'd still find lots more attendance when it comes to the part of their fans. Take something like the Toronto Blue Jays, for example. I don't think they've ever had trouble filling most of the Sky Dome. Yeah, in 15,000, if you're the Marlins, it's good, but they like actively flip off their fans so it's surprising they even get what they do you know the start of this season there's a minor league team in florida the jacksonville jumbo shrimp and their opening day they pulled in more fans than the marlins did (laughs) that's a true story i love i love the minor leagues because they just have such bizarre names for their teams it's perfect I happen to like the Montgomery Biscuits. <laughs> Which is where your nickname comes from, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I was just looking around my apartment, and I saw my Montgomery Biscuits hat, and I was like, that works. Yeah, that's a little Monty big... it is. <laughs> that's a little big bad nonsense lore for everyone here. It's like, I told Biscuit that he had to have a nickname, and he just sort of looked around his 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 room and said, oh, here's a hat with a biscuit on it. That's That's my name now. That's a little inside baseball for you guys. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, taking this back to the time period, the White Sox are doing quite poorly. Now, also in Chicago, we have a man by the name of Steve Dahl. I, I love that guy. You have no idea who he is. He's a um, French pianist. No. Steve Dahl was a yeah. Chicago... French pianist, was a Chicago radio DJ. He's probably one of the earliest versions of what could be called a shock jock. For our listeners, that's like, think, Howard Stern. So, he's the early version of what you would call a shock jock. And he was fired, well, I sort of guess, not really fired, but let go from the radio station he was working for in Chicago, WDAI. More like W... For this guy, bye. Yeah. He didn't take it well. (laughs) He didn't take it well. And also, one of the things that they did was they they made a shift uh, from their regular music programming to mostly disco, which was very popular at the time. And Steve Dahl didn't take this very well. He was a rock DJ. So he was kind of miffed about this. And this sort of became. The thing, because he moved to another radio station, WLUP, I think was the radio station, WLUP. What do you want me to do with that? I... (laughs) (laughs) Shit, dude. (laughs) Nothing, I guess. So this kind of became the whole rivalry between uh, him and the former station that like, oh, disco sucks and uh, we hate it and... Uh, to hell with that disco station I used to work at. It's rock all the time and stuff like that. So he sort of tapped into this sentiment that was sort of uh, happening at the time where people were sort of having a backlash against disco. Yeah, the thing with disco is it was very polarizing. There was nobody that was like, uh, it's fine. If you didn't like it, you fucking hated it. Which is strange, because if you think about a lot of modern music, disco is a very strong influence. Yeah, I mean, it it was crushing it at one point, but um, people had a reaction to that, like, you know that Memories song by Fall Out Boy? Mm, yes. I hate that song so much that if I'm, like, out of store or something and it starts playing, I legitimately get angry. Like, it, I hate it so much, it physically puts me in a bad mood. And people that did not like disco, that's kind of how they reacted to it. Like, you were all about that disco stew life, or you despised it. 
Well, that's interesting because this is one of the things that we're going to have to discuss later in this because uh, one of the things here is that a lot of people thought, is this a reaction by majority against minority? Because disco, of course, had a very a lot of very prominent uh, gay, uh, Latino, and black artists who were producing the music. See, we were getting fake offended well before Tumblr and Twitter. Well, I don't think it's actually fake to say that because I think there's a lot of good arguments that you could put forward that actually do make a suggestion about this. But let's let's get into a bit more of why. Like, it's not just a matter of saying, I don't like disco, I can't stand that music, because Steve Dahl took things up a notch. And how did he do that, Sock? Okay, well, what he did... <laughs> What he did was he, d- he des- decided on a promotion between him and the White Sox. There was going to be a doubleheader game between the, uh, the White Sox and the Detroit Tigers. He arranged this sort of uh, marketing thing where he said, come with a disco record and you can get in to the, the ball game for 98 cents which is a tie-in to his radio station, which was FM 98. And we're going <laughs> to collect all these disco records from you, and we're going to put them in a big bin and blow them up in between the games. I mean, that's a good promotion. I'd show up for... Hey, you tell me you're going to blow a bunch of shit up, I'm there. Yeah, I mean, just the, the thought that there's an explosion says, you know, that's kind of a draw right there. So this was the whole thing. So for people who don't know baseball, a doubleheader is where they do two games back to back. Two is one plus one, guys. <laughs> Biscuit has is practicing for his new job as a kindergarten teacher, I guess. Uh, anyway, so the whole idea was this. They promoted it. You get in for 98 cents as long as you come carrying a disco record. They're going to collect all the records put them in a big bin, blow them up after the first game and just before the second game starts. Now, they thought it wasn't going to be that much of a draw. They thought it would just sort of be a fun event. And woe to them, they underestimated it horribly. No, man, I mean, you're thinking back when this was, I mean, they don't have all the shit going on that we do now for entertainment where you can just pull your hand computer up and do whatever you want. And this shit would draw now. So that's a real bad miscalculation on their part. Well, yeah, maybe, I suppose. 98 cents. Yeah, well, maybe I am correct. Okay, okay. 98 cents, for anyone who's wondering, would probably be just south of $4 in today's money, if I remember my figures that I looked up. Which is a pretty cheap date. Yes, uh, I really doubt you could see a baseball game for $4 now. No, if you want to go see the Red Sox, you're going to be out 40 bucks just parking your fucking car. I mean, you're not even in the stadium yet, and you're 10 times that. Yeah. I mean, for me to sit, you know, in next to first base at a Blue Jays game, I think I paid 60 bucks, and I thought that was a good price. If you were right up front, then yeah. That, I was that, I was pretty close to the front. Pretty close to the front. Yeah, that shit ain't happening in Boston. 60 bucks will get you the very top, but that's about it. And you have a foul pole in your face. Mm-hmm. Well, Boston, Toronto, I mean, big difference in terms of, like, the markets that they're catering to. But even $60 is still, like, a good chunk of change to go and see a sporting event. Yes, that's... Yeah, I've taken us off track as as one does. But okay. yes, you, you got a good ticket. Okay, so I'm happy for you. <laughs> it was a great game. Anyway, the the main point I want to make here, I want to double back to what I said before. Comiskey Park uh, had a capacity of about fifty thousand people. Now, ninety thousand <laughs> showed up. Um. Well, I'm not seeing a problem here. Listen, uh, normal attendance was, like I said before, was somewhere around 12,000, 15,000 during this horrible season that the White Sox were having. The officials who did the organizing expected about 5,000 more than usual, so about 20,000. This is what they planned for. And then 50,000 people show up, fill the stadium, and then thousands more are stuck outside. You just let them in, have them sit on somebody's lap. You make a friend. 
if only fire codes would allow us. Well, th there is that, and there's also the... Yeah, go on. Okay. They had hired security for 35,000 people. Here's where it gets fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So now you've got the stadium full. The seats are packed. They're not selling any more tickets. You've got thousands of people outside, and you've got security inside the stadium for 35,000 people. This is a recipe... And, and, and these security guys, I mean, we don't have, like, Juice Bro down there like, I'll fucking take them! These are, like, fucking mall cops. They're looking at this like, oh, shit! <laughs> they just don't have people to deal with it. And, of course, all these people, these thousands of people have shown up to see the dis disco explosion, to see these disco records blown up. And they want to get inside. So, of course, people start gate crashing. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Now, a, a tradition that still goes on today. <laughs> now, Comiskey Park, like most generally modern stadiums or quite recent stadiums, they have like, you know, an architectural outside with like windows and stuff. So you can look outside or you can look in towards the ballpark. So people were climbing up the walls of Comiskey Park and getting in through like these these open bay windows, I guess you'd say, like these these big open holes with no glass. People are just climbing into the stadium. Yeah, and you got you gotta keep in mind this is Chicago where like your odds of getting shot just going to the store is like thirty five percent. So these people know how to fucking get what they want. They are going to get in there if they want to. So this is crime city. This break in audio is brought to you by an armful of strawberries. So to deal with this, Mike Veek, uh, or Mike Vick, I'm not sure how it's pronounced. Mike Vick? Yeah. He had a dog fighting ring outside. No, 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 no. <laughs> not Mike Vick, but Mike Vick. Yeah. Like V-E-E-C-K. Like Veek! Yeah, I think it's pronounced Vec. All the news uh, videos that I saw, they actually pronounce his name Vec, as far as I'm... I, it doesn't matter. He starts... No, it doesn't. That's <laughs> why I brought it up. <laughs> he starts redirecting security to stop these people from getting in. Now, you've got security who are supposed to be watching the inside, and now they're redirected to watching the outside. And the already low level of security is now not watching this stadium full of people. Oh, I don't know, Mr. Vec. You want me inside and outside? Oh, oh, well, okay. <laughs> the whole principle was that people would come in and then they would drop these disco records that they had taken. They would drop them into these boxes and then during the game these boxes would be collected and then in between the two games they would blow them up. Now the boxes that were supposed to be holding all these records filled up really quickly. Yeah, they got like, because they don't calculate for the people there so they got like two cardboard boxes like this should do it and then there's like a dumpster full of shit there and um it, it's a it's a math problem mm -hmm. and uh this contributed to the fact that people just brought the records with them to their seats and if there's one thing you want at a sporting event it's a bunch of people holding shit that they don't care what happens to it. Oh boy, that is a recipe for disaster at any sporting event. I'm sure it would be even at a cricket match if you had people sitting there holding things that they didn't want to be holding. Yeah, the only good one is the teddy bear toss in hockey games, but that's for kids, so it's fine. Which team is it that does the octopuses? Um, The Detroit Red Wings. Oh, is that the Red Wings? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that was... one's pretty good. That that's a good one. Um, they've since banned it because it just took too long to clean them all up after every goal. But the Panthers, Florida Panthers, way back in the day, they had um, they threw a bunch of rubber rats on the ice. It got to the point that there was a rat delay ticker on the screen during the playoffs. <laughs> 
where did people come up with these? Like, what, what, who just said, like, one day, let's bring a bunch of rubber rats or let's bring an octopus? Well, the octopus, I got no fucking idea. The rat was a racket on the ice one day, and one of the players got it with a stick, and, you know, that rat got gut. And so they started throwing rats on the ice. Oh, and okay. They were playing, they were playing the Penguins during that series, and um, those playoffs, rather. And one game, the Penguins scored a goal, and somebody threw a stuffed penguin on the ice, and I thought that was pretty funny. Oh, there you go. Kind of a little rebuttal. Okay. Well, what happened at the White Sox game uh, thankfully didn't become a tradition because, of course, if you think about records, they're quite heavy, and they're shaped like a Frisbee. (laughs) Every time there's a home run, everybody just throws a bunch of records on the field. (laughs) It, It... they, they didn't even wait for a home run. It just They were just throwing these things constantly because, of course, it's fun, right? They're getting drunk. They got a beer in one hand, and they say, I don't want to keep holding this record. So, of course, one person does it. They throw it like a Frisbee, and it goes, woo. And they're like, <laughs> wow, that's fantastic. So, of course, everyone starts doing it. And there's nobody there to stop them because they're all fucking outside like, whoa, get back or something. <laughs> Rusty Torres, who was an outfielder for the uh, the White Sox, was describing how he was standing in the outfield and, like, you know, he felt this record just sort of whoosh by his head and, like, <laughs> implant itself in the ground. And that, that's the thing, right? Like, these things c- could kill you if you threw them far enough and hard enough. They were sticking into the grounds of the baseball field. Okay, so for this game, every single record is another base that you have to touch going around the diamond. <laughs> Look out for Taurus. He's all the way to 133rd base. <laughs> I, they interviewed Taurus for the anniversary. I was watching like a little mini ESPN documentary, which I will link to in the show notes. And he's sitting there in the outfield and like he's got these records whizzing by him. And he's hearing people shouting like, hey, Rusty Torres, disco sucks. And Rusty's just sitting there thinking like, like, what the hell are you guys talking about? Like, I was at a disco club last night. It was great. Like, you know, he's just like, I want to play some ball. Quit throwing records at me. I See, at that point, I would have just to try to appease him, said that I agreed with them and not been like, no, it rules you drunk fuckers behind me that are throwing things. Yeah, that's what he did, right? Like, this is this is what he said he was thinking, is that, like, you know, I was at a discotheque last night. I don't know what these people are on about. Yeah, you got to think about self-preservation at some point here. Yeah. Rusty. <laughs> and he was. He didn't say anything, right? He was just trying not to get hit with records. Oh, so he internally was like, I love disco. He wasn't like, fuck you guys. Yeah, yeah. This is just in an interview where he said this. Okay. Okay, I was this... going to say, that's a very poor move. Yeah, no, no, no. It's not like Rusty Torres turned and shouted to the fans. It's like, I love disco. Yeah. I was at a discotheque. Yeah. He was just <laughs> like... moves them. Yeah. <laughs> no, he was just sitting there thinking, like, yeah, this is this is crazy. Like, you know, I'm not going to mention this. But, like, this was his internal thought. You can see this all in the interview. I'll post it in the, in the show notes, like I said. Anyway, what so... I would have done if I was him is I'd be like, I agree with you guys, but you know the guy in the other team that plays this position? He's going to be coming out here in a bit. He fucking loves disco. And then I would just go about my merry way. Well, he was just trying not to get hit with records. And, of course, he is a White Sox player, too. So you can only imagine what was happening to when the Detroit players were in the outfield. Yeah, it's like 10-cent baseball night. Everybody got blasted to the point that they weren't even aware that there were teams out there. It was just kind of this blur that they wanted to beat up. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. And, and again, it's Chicago. They just kind of like violence. Mm-hmm. So basically, you've got the groundskeepers have to come out constantly to clear these records out of the way to like pull them out of the turf and all this other stuff. Oh, hey, hey there, guys. You see, you see why I don't think you understand you're doing it, but but this you're messing up the turf. Hey, hey, hey I, I, hey, you're messing up the turf. I'm just gonna keep saying this because I didn't really plan this joke out, but hey, hey, oh, there. <laughs> why, why are you using like a North Dakota accent to go for the whole Chicago thing? Uh, I, I didn't, I wasn't feeling confident about the Chicago impression. 
Okay. So Well, we're going to lose that part. Anyway. <laughs> no, we're going to keep that part. Anyway. God damn it. <laughs> so everything's going to hell. In addition to these, the the records, you've also got things like firecrackers, empty empty bottles of alcohol. I guess they wouldn't be bottles. Empty bottles flying onto the field. All kinds of chaos. Of course, people are jumping over the barriers too. There's just not enough security to stop them. Well, it sounds like there's not really any. It's just the groundskeeper from North Dakota going, hey there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And of course, everyone's got their banners up that say, you know, disco sucks and stuff like that. And they're all, they're occasionally chanting it as well. So Do they really have like little pennant like flags that said disco sucks oh yeah be- yeah look this up on youtube like you've got all kinds of like news reports from the time period on youtube and you got these people with these huge banners that say disco sucks and people wearing t-shirts that say disco sucks and it's good to have a passion uh, i guess so anyway the game finally ends not well for the white Sox. they lost four to one well they were a little distracted to be fair mm-hmm <laughs> I'm sure the Tigers were too, but like they also managed to. Well, kick... Yeah, I mean, they're from Detroit. You think Chicago's a shithole? Uh huh. <laughs> well, I think as far as what I've read, the Detroit Tigers were actually having quite a good season that year. They're they're up more often than they're down. There you go. The game ends. This is where radio DJ Steve Dahl comes out wearing army fatigues and driving a jeep onto the field. Uh, dick's hanging out and he's holding the 40. <laughs> that part, no. Ken Kravitz, who was the picture, pitcher for the White Sox, uh, is warming up on the pitching mound because he's opening the next game. and <laughs> he's, he's like, guys, uh, well, I, I kind of got a job to do here. This fucking drunk guy in a jeep's riding around the field. Well, I mean, they, they, they have to try and keep things going, right? The game was delayed so many times because of people throwing stuff onto the field that he's just out there warming up while they're going to do this whole thing. So Steve Dahl, the radio DJ, drives out in a Jeep. He gets on the microphone, and he's like, Hey, welcome to the largest anti-disco rally. We've collected all your disco records, and we're going to blow them up. And everyone's attention was directed to this big box, which uh, exploded in sort of more of a pyrotechnic display than anything. It's not like they had like a, a big sort of, you know, gut-shaking explosion or something. More of just like a, a pyrotechnic flash that sort of blew up the records and spread them around a bit. It wasn't like filled with C4. <laughs> no, it, it, it's not that really that kind of explosion. But it was big enough that it ripped a large hole in the outfield. <laughs> Okay, so for the next game, we're calling this the scoring box, and you got to huddle up in it to get a point. <laughs> Again with the North Dakota accent. Like, <laughs> uh, my phone number is six one eight two 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 three four two two. The big explosion happens. Everyone cheers. Record shards are everywhere, and there's a hole in the outfield. Now, of course, the security are still trying to deal with the people outside, and five to 7,000 people take that moment to rush onto the field. Oh, I, I, is the inside supposed to be blowing up? <laughs> so, this is pandemonium. It's chaos. I, I would say that's a safe assessment, yes. <laughs> 5,000 people. 5,000 people is a lot. Like, the stadium's already full with their maximum capacity of, like, 47,000, plus a few extra people who have, you know, gate crashed, plus all the people outside. And now 5,000 of them, drunk out of their minds and hepped up on disco goofballs or whatever it is, have rushed onto the field. Yeah, um, you know, streakers, they don't like it when one person rushes the field. So when you do that times 5,000... It's a problem. Well, I mean, like, when a streaker rushes the field, a few guys go and chase him down. Here you've got 5,000 people. Now, the... <laughs> I, we, we really have to get into some of the oral history that, uh, that goes along with this. So, 5,000 people rush onto the field. 
everything starts to get stolen. Ken Kravitz, who is warming up on the mound, he takes off for the dugout and barricades himself in there with the other players, basically. (laughs) He sees 5,000 people on the field. He's like, you know what? I don't think this game's happening. (laughs) Well, I mean, like, why would you continue warming up through all of that? Like, if I was in his position, I would be like, I'm getting out of here, too. So he takes off for the dugout. 5,000 people are rushing on there. Everything gets stolen. Bases get stolen. Home plate gets stolen. All three bases get stolen. It, it, it's, it's, it's crazy. People are getting drunk. People start raiding the dugouts and stuff like that. There was one story I heard about, you know, a bunch of guys were sitting in one of the dugouts drinking Jack Daniels, and uh, the coach came up and said, give me that Jack, and they gave it to him, and he said, now get the hell out of my dugout. <laughs> I thought that was a pretty funny story. My God, they stole the dugout. <laughs> I'm just going to read a few quotes uh, from an article on Deadspin here. A little bit of oral history quotes that I think are just funny. So, first quote here. Kids were climbing foul poles. I saw an usher get punched in the face. I saw a kid marching from third base to home plate with a marijuana leaf sign. <laughs> And he thought he was, like, doing something so profound, I'm sure. (laughs) Okay, next quote. At first I saw little fires breaking out in the outfield. Three nuns were sitting near me. They turned around and asked... (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) They turned around and asked, what is everybody chanting? In those days, disco sucks wasn't a nice thing to say. My friend told them, they're just going, let's go socks. (laughs) You get these nuns that they think they're just going to a baseball game and it catches on fire. <laughs> okay, next one here. People try, again, I'm going to put this article in the show notes. You, you should really go through and read these. And it's got a link to a great mini ESPN documentary as well. Okay, next. People tried to break down the clubhouse door. There was a four by six plank holding the door back and so many people were distressing that plank. They finally got the people off. There was the odor of fire in the ballpark. People were hanging out from, uh, were hanging from the guard wires on the scoreboard in the center field. <laughs> They're just hanging from the score. Like of all the things you could do in that situation where chaos reigns and you decide to hang from the scoreboard. Yeah, I think I fucking get it wrong. I I think that's what they're talking about, right? I think like the those big scoreboards they have those like big thick cables that sort of hold them in place so they don't fall over. And I think people were hanging from those. See, that's not where to be. They should have been trying to break down the clubhouse door. You said that those guys, every one of them got off. Yeah. (laughs) I, I don't know what they expected. The manager just comes out like, I got to do this for my boys. He starts (laughs) jacking off all the rioters. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, moving on. <laughs> kids, and you ain't getting to go. Now unzip your fucking pants. <laughs> okay, let's move on quickly from that one. Okay, so I came out of the locker room to the dugout. I was sitting with the outfielder, Ralph Gar, and first baseman, Lamar Johnson. They both had bats in their hands. The fans weren't as rowdy as much as they were just partying and running around. So I asked Lamar and Ralph, are you going to use those bats against these people? They were two of my best buddies in baseball. They said, if they come into the dugout, we are. Yeah, and you got to protect home base. Yeah. (laughs) They were, you know, using bats to drive them out. Yeah, well, I mean, that's how much lunacy was going down. That they're sitting there saying like, hey, if these guys come in here, we're going to have to take a swing at them with bats. I mean, these these people are are drunk and not thinking with any sort of sense, right? And th- th- these are White Sox guys who are saying this, right? Ralph, Ralph Gar and Lamar Johnson, they were playing for the White Sox, so they, they feared yeah. their own fans. you got to do that at a certain point because at the end of the day, when you're a pro athlete, your body is your paycheck, so some drunk asshole fucked your arm up with a broken beer bottle, you know? It's not just an unpleasant event for you it could end your fucking career so at a certain point you gotta say all right i'm i'm enjoying you starting fires and stuff that's kind of neat but you come in here i'm gonna kick your ass with a bat 
they try to get this whole situation cleared up. Nothing is working. They uh, are putting up on the, the scoreboard, you know, please return to your seats. You know, everyone's ignoring it. The, uh, the <laughs> If that worked, they all went back to their seats and sat down. Would they have been okay with that and been like, <laughs> All right then, let's do this baseball thing. <laughs> the 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 announcer, the White Sox announcer, is is pleading with people over the microphone. He's like, "Please go back to your seats." He's like saying, "Can you hear me?" And everyone's saying, "Yeah." And he's like, "Please go back to your seats so we can play some baseball." And everyone just cheers and nobody does anything. Yeah, I think they've made it pretty clear that baseball's not on the menu at this point. Yeah. If anything, I'm not trying to get them back to their seats. I'm putting like "Go the fuck home" up on the scoreboard. If, well, and that's the thing, right? Like another game is scheduled, so eventually the police are called in. Event? They waited this long to call the police. Well, I I don't know how long they waited, but at this point the police show up. You've got people running through the field, stealing bits of whatever they can get their hands on. A bunch of them take off their shirts. One guy swears that he saw a couple having sex next to thir- first base or where first base used to be. That's not what first base meant when I was in high school, but mm, anyway, and it's a, a makeout joke, folks. <laughs> Maybe if you ever touch a lady, you'll understand. <laughs> they finally get the field cleared, thanks to the help of the police. Yay! Didn't expect you to stop there. Uh, <laughs> aside from the hole that this disco record explosion has torn in the field, uh, there are divots all over the place. The field is a mess. The manager from the Detroit Tigers complains to the the adjudicators, the officiators, and eventually Chicago is forced to forfeit the second game. Oh, that's fucking Bush League. They should have just rescheduled it. But, I mean, Tigers manager, he wins a win, I guess. Well, they they actually appealed that. uh, the, the, The White Sox appealed that the next day saying, you know, why don't we just reschedule it? And uh, they looked at the rules, and the rules specifically stated that, you know, the the home team has to provide suitable location. And, so, and based on the rules, is like the only thing that could be done in the situation was forfeit, according to the rules at the time. Yeah, that's still... Fuck that manager for the Tigers, though. Like, it's... There are things in baseball that you're just supposed to do and not do out of respect and that's clearly not the team's fault what happened you know it's like but it it is though it it's no it's not yes it is they didn't have adequate security was that the fucking pitcher's fault or is it because they got this douchebag shock jock that's got this whole thing going on that's tearing up the field. Well, that's the thing too, right? It's like they also had this promotion with the shock jock. Like, that hole alone uh, made outfield unplayable. So that's not the team's fault. Well, yes it is. It's their, They did this promotion in, co- in cooperation with No, it's with not. They weren't out there digging a grave. It's some asshole that blew it up. Yeah, uh, based on a promotion that they agreed upon with him. I am... Sir, I am going to agree disagree. <laughs> okay, maybe we won't come and see eye to eye here. But listen, the, 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 the Detroit Tigers have just spent, you know, nine innings having records spinning through the air and implanting them in the ground next to them. I don't think they're in the mood to do anything except just get the hell out of Chicago. Right, which a rescheduling would also do. Okay, fine. I suppose that's true, but I think I would be pissed that I had to deal with this, and I think I would probably argue the same thing. That That's just me. That's just me. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that they weren't having a great day, but it's not like the White Sox were loving life then either. Anyway. Uh, apparently the rules... Uh, yeah. Apparently the rules fell on the side of this being the, the White Sox fault, and the game had to be forfeited. Uh I'm going to write an appeal. I'm going to get that decision reversed. And those teams are going to have to unretire and come back and play that game. That would be interesting. I just uh, don't bring any records with you. <laughs> it, that You want to talk about a promotion that would get a turnout, though, if I pulled that off. Well, they some did. Some of them are probably dead. <laughs> if I could get them back on the field, then I'd be like, whoa. 
Well, this is 40 years ago that this happened, so yeah. yeah so a good deal of them are dead. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Zombie baseball! Well, I mean, even just, you know, seeing Rusty Torres uh, in the interview there, uh, like, he's a quite an old guy. Like, he's fully gray and everything like that, so... The, the disco what? <laughs> Where am I? <laughs> okay, he's he's not senile. He was still very coherent. Fine. That's not as fun. End result, nine injuries, 39 arrests, which Just I thought... Just 39, huh? Yeah, I thought that was kind of low. I was kind of amazed by that. They must have had 39 pairs of hair handcuffs. Yeah, yeah, probably. Like, maybe they ran out of handcuffs, or maybe they just didn't charge everyone, or they just couldn't charge. I think they were more concerned with just getting people out of Comiskey Park. Yeah, that's probably it. As long as you fucked off, you were probably good, and there was just 39 guys that they were all in on this, and they're like, well, going to have to arrest you there. Mm-hmm. Two, two, two. <laughs> Anyway, July 12th, 2019 was, of course, the 40th anniversary of this event. And they uh, held sort of a commemoration. Uh, Steve Dahl returned to the field and he threw the opening pitch. And uh, they gave out Disco Sucks t-shirts as well. See, that's kind of fun. I like that. (laughs) It is. like, And let's go back to this. What, what I was saying before, though, right? Where, you know, I do have an article here which is arguing that, you know, this is a bit of a disgrace. You're taking what was a popular music at the time that was being created by what are mostly minority uh, members of the population, and you're just saying, let's just blow this, blow this shit up, is what you're saying. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just not seeing the connection. Like, I get that there's a coincidental, here's where this is coming from, but I don't think that's why people dislike it. Well, I I don't think it's why people dislike it, but I think it might have been in the attitude at the time. Like, for example, Steve Dahl. I think it was, I, I might have things a little bit mixed up here, but one of the members of Casey and the Sunshine Band, who was a popular disco group at the time, said, you know, they didn't believe that this thing was discriminatory and that Dahl was basically an idiot, which he kind of is. Like, this is Oh, he's a complete dumbass, but a fun guy to party with. But at the same time, they point out that, you know, like a lot of the backlash against this sort of thing is that, you know, disco was primarily a black Latino and uh, gay music scene, basically. And... There was, like, think about it today if, like, they had some event where they said, we're just going to collect a lot of hip-hop records or R&B records, and we're just going to set them all on fire. Uh, yeah, you'd get a lot of Trump supporters there, but that's yeah. just shitty people being shitty people. I don't think it's the motivation behind who came up with the idea. It's just, no, and and that's what people argue. You're going to get a bunch of bigoted fucknuts there because they see an outlet that they can kind of say it in public without saying it, you know? And, and that's that's exactly what people are arguing uh, Disco Demolition Night was, that, like, Steve Dahl didn't put it forward and the, the whole principle behind it wasn't uh, racially motivated or motivated by bigotry, but that it drew out a lot of people. Like, one, I was looking at an interview with one black man who was there in the stands that night, and he said, you know, I felt scared to be around some of these people. He said these people were holding records that, that weren't even disco. They were just like Motown records and things like that, like things by prominent black artists that they just sort of, you know, brought. So a lot of the scary people did come out. So there was that element behind it. Just like, as you said, nowadays, if you did something like, a, you know, burn all black artist records, like you'd have a lot of MAGA people who would probably take advantage of that. <laughs> you got this guy with a MAGA hat on and he's holding a sign that just says MLK sucks and you're like, okay, that's not really what we were going for, but um, thank you for your ticket money. Um, but yeah, um, sorry, that didn't go well with you at all, did it? <laughs> but, no, <laughs> well, I'm just and, thinking and, about it. It just seems like something that could happen, right? Like, that's the thing. Like, I know you're saying it is satire, but in today's modern world, like, you know, it's like it's not even a joke anymore. It, it actually happens. 
it's not. We have a literal white supremacist president right now. Like being racist is like in vogue at this point. So, mm-hmm. and thank you so much, Hillary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One uh, disc artist, uh, Niall Rogers, who is the guitarist for Chic, uh, a disco era band, he likened it to a Nazi book burning, which it kind of is. I kind of have to agree with him. It's like it's, you're taking all this art that you don't like and you're setting it on fire. I I understand the connection he's making. Sure. Yeah, well. I mean, like, I I don't like I don't like a lot of pop music, but I don't say, oh, I'm going to go destroy it. I just turn off the radio when they play pop music, you know? Like, you know, I'll go online and I'll be like, oh, Nickelback sucks, and I'll make my rants against them, against them or whatever. But at the end of the day, like, I'm not going to say we need to destroy Nickelback. I uh, I think we need to destroy Fallout Boy. Like, that shit's gonna go. <laughs> Listen, we all know it doesn't matter how bad the music is, it can never be as bad as David Tanney. No. Uh, man, I tried to get that guy to fight me online so bad, and he just would not do it. Uh, listeners, if you don't know what it is we're talking about, I don't think we've mentioned David Tanney on the show before, have we? Uh, I think once in passing. Once in passing. But- we should talk about that dude sometime. He sucks. We'll keep it for a future episode, but if anyone's confused as to what it is we're discussing, David Tanney is possibly one of the worst musicians alive. Look for him on... No, don't look for him on YouTube. Just don't uh, even listen. If you want to, actually, if you want to, there's a channel that I don't know how to log into it anymore, but I made it a while ago, and it's got a lot of his shit on YouTube. Uh, so I put it all up so you can get it for free, because fuck him. Uh, it's... <laughs> David Tanny fan on YouTube, and you can go listen to all his horrible shit on there up until a couple years ago. Uh, don't, okay? I if, if they had a David Tanny demolition night, I would walk back my previous statement of saying, you know, there's no need to destroy art just because you don't like it. I would say it's perfectly fine to blow up David Tanny records. Anyway, so that's the main point that people were making, and I, th- I think... Biscuit, generally speaking, is that people agree with your statement, right? That there's no bigoted intent behind it, just that, you know, a lot of the crazies who did have bigotry as their motivation saying, oh, this gay club music, like, let's go blow it up. They were all drawn to this idea behind it, and it kind of became a fiasco because of it. Yep, but it's still a mask that bigoted people wear today. Any, There's all sorts of events that people can go in under the guise of hey i'm here for fun also have you heard about this hitler guy i have some literature over here and, you know it's it's a phenomenon with humans that anytime there's a large gathering it's kind of going to go that way well i think the thing to take away from this too is that disco survived right like it changed its name it changed uh, its medium a little bit and uh, you know we still listen to music today, like a lot more of the dance-driven modern pop music or electronica music or just dance music or R&B in general is heavily influenced by disco, even rock music to a certain extent. And uh, so we still hear about disco. Like if you've ever looked up the disco version of the Star Wars theme, it's great. Everything musically that you hear is influenced by that which came before it. Whether exactly. you want that to be the case or not. And like if if you scroll back, you know, 20 years earlier or 30 years earlier, everyone was saying the thing, same thing about rock and roll. And these were rock and roll fans who were backlashing against that. Like people used to say it was the music of the devil. So disco survived, disco evolved and disco transformed. But like who gives a shit about Steve Dahl anymore? I, I don't give a sh- No, <laughs> I, ju- I just learned about him. I've, I've already forgotten him. So, Biscuit, what have we learned from this? That when you give people a bunch of alcohols and promise that you're going to blow some shit up and tell them to bring stuff there, it ain't going to go well because people like to get drunk and see shit blow up. So call the fucking cops. I think, generally speaking, when you have a sporting event, don't have people bring things. Yeah, um, the only time you should do that is if you're going to a deathmatch show. Because they have fans bring the weapons matches, and that shit's fun as hell. Yeah. But, like, more I mean, organized team sports. Nah. Yeah, but, like, people are bringing those things for the performers to use, right? Like, 
there's nothing you could bring to a sporting event that the players on the field could ever need to use. Yeah, I mean, that that's supposed to be part of the show. Um, I think I said this on the episode that uh, we interviewed Casanova Valentine, but my favorite one, I was chatting with a guy that like did security for deathmatch shows years back, and I asked him what the craziest thing somebody ever brought to a show as a weapon was, and he just immediately said a gun. <laughs> like somebody <laughs> just brought a Glock and like handed it over, like here, shoot each other. <laughs> and the guy was like, "Yeah, we're not doing that." Like, uh, the, the, you you have to wonder the mentality behind that person. Like, it's a wrestling event. Like these people are are using melee violence against each other. Like, what what kind of event does he think is happening? Like, the guy's going to pull out the gun and just shoot the other guy? Like, it would be the most boring match ever. That and the death part of it is not literal. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> so that's just a fun little aside for you. <laughs> okay, Biscuit, I think we've said everything that we could possibly say about uh, the Disco Demol- Demolition Night at Comiskey Park. And, uh, do we have anything to plug? Uh, I thought we did, but apparently not. Okay, uh, I would like to plug, of course, ourselves. We're, we are always trying to get a little bit of an increase to our listener base. So people listening, please, if you like the show, share it with a friend. Uh, do send us emails, bigbadnonsense at gmail.com. Do tweet us, at bigbadnonsense. We will get back to you. We try to keep in touch with our fan base. Not that many contact us, but we do. And uh, please tell somebody you know about the show, and let's get the word out there. Also, um, for our listeners, Pete the Cat, really good first book series to start getting those uh, vowels and consonants figured out. (laughs) And with that, the show is over. Thank you very much for listening, and that's the end. Bye! No, but I've heard that joke before where it's like uh, a guy walks into a bar with an alligator and he says, I'll bet everyone in this bar that I can put my nads in this alligator's mouth and uh, come out perfectly fine. And everyone bets like $100. They say, yeah, yeah, I'll see that. And then so the alligator opens its mouth and he puts his nads in and the alligator closes his mouth and then after a minute he hits it on the head with a beer bottle and he takes his (laughs) nads out and everyone's like, oh, wow. And he, like, collects their money. And he says, okay, I'll give 500 bucks to anyone who's willing to try it. And one guy puts his hand up and he says, yeah, I'll do it, but you have to promise not to hit me on the head with the beer bottle. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a variation of it, yeah. <laughs>